G'day. Talking about pedagogy with Ryan Shelton, Deputy Principal of Learning at Holy Cross College. This podcast is by teachers for teachers on the art and science of teaching. Holy Cross College is a pre-kindergarten to year 12 Catholic school situated in the metropolitan area of Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished School, the college is a global leader in contemporary 21st century pedagogies that are Christ-centred and student-focused. The college's vision for learning allows for all students to be engaged, challenged and progressing. So today's episode, we have with us Chris McRae. Chris is the Learning Area Coordinator of the Arts here at Holy Cross. He's been here for 11 years and built our arts program right from the ground up. Chris is famous as well. Uh, He's famous because he's uh, involved in community theatre, both as a director and an actor. So we have someone who is right on the cutting edge of the arts here in Western Australia. Chris is also into performance writing. He's put three short plays together. I know one was recently last year in Bustleton um, performed. Um, Chris is a songwriter. He's an ice hockey player, a journalist, and, and he's passionate about all things performance and the arts and instilling that within the kids. And so today's episode, we're really going to tackle into one of Chris's greatest passions, which is what we can learn out of the Ron Clark Academy. Um, And for those that haven't seen it, you've got to get on Instagram or Twitter and follow what happens with Ron Clark because it is sensational. And personally, I'd never heard of Ron Clark till I met Chris. So Chris, it's great to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to, to be on. So Chris, what got you passionate about the arts? Oh, I've, I've been always involved in the arts from a very young age. It was instilled in me by my parents. Um, my mum's a music teacher, so I started playing instruments from a very young young age and, and just the sense of creativity that came from being able to perform. And I didn't really tackle drama until sort of late primary school, early high school, and that that really kind of caught a fire uh, in me and, and I, it was something I really wanted to take further. And just the buzz you get from performing, creating something from nothing, uh, I think was just something that I just wanted to keep doing. And, and now I, I want to help kids in, in grab that same passion and, and, and really run with it. So it's just something I absolutely love and I wouldn't do anything else. So as most people in the creative arts field, they're, ta- they're passionate about zillions of things and really are, are talented at zillions of things. How many instruments can you play? Um, well, one well. <laughs> um, so I'm a sax player mainly. That was my main focus at uni, but I've, I've dabbled in, in piano, drums, guitar, uh, so yeah, about four um, at this stage. I, I keep tinkering with other random things as I, as I find <laughs> them. But um, yeah, no, I just love discovering new things. And I think melodica was was one that I discovered ah, a very little good. while ago, and that was that was interesting. So um, yeah, no, just uh, about four at yeah. this stage. <laughs> and, and you're a, a Whopper graduate, yes. So for yeah. those that don't know Whopper, we've got quite a global audience at the moment with the podcast. So the West Australian Performing Arts Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it got it right. Um, what's special about Whopper? Look, Whopper is uh, it, it's really its own entity, and it, it's it's famous worldwide, um, really, and it's considered one of the best performing arts schools in the country. So we're really actually lucky to have that right on our doorstep. Um, the educators there are really obviously high end uh, in music and theatre and dance, and and they really provide a great gateway for performing artists because, unfortunately, a lot of the the arts. Um, 
sometimes you say you need to go over to the eastern states to actually make it as a performing artist or a, a, even an educator but Whopper actually provides that opportunity for students here um, and their methods are incredible they they really instill a great passion um, and uh, are really really push you to be the best performing artist you can be so I was really privileged to to spend spend time there famous actors or actresses that have come out of Whopper? Yeah, well, Hugh Jackman being one, yeah. uh, Tim Minchin. Um, there's a, a few others that have come through there, but they're the kind of main two West Australian um, exports. Yeah. Um, yeah, so quite quite a few big names coming out of there. Was Heath Ledger a Whopper graduate? He wasn't, I don't think, yeah. um, but he went through Guildford Grammar's drama program and then went on from there to NIDA, I believe, over in the Eastern States. So, yeah. There you go. So, look, this podcast is about pedagogy and, and one of the world's most famous schools is the Ron Clark Academy. Am I right mm. to call it a school? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Chris, you're the one that I suppose exposed me to the Ron Clark Academy and to many of our staff here. Mm. What is the Ron Clark Academy? What does it look like for those that have never seen it before and why are you so passionate about what they do? Yeah, so I kind of stumbled on Ron Clark and his methods by accident. Um, I was actually, it was a, we- a weird story. I was working at a, what, what now don't exist, a video store during university. <laughs> um, and I found this movie called the, the Ron Clark Story and just read the blurb. And it was, it was about a teacher who basically specialized in raising standardized test scores in, in some of America's um, toughest areas. So he started in Harlem um, in the middle of New York. Um, and it, the story just grabbed me straight away. Um, and so I did some research into him in uni, in uni, found out he was, he was really strong on building relationships with kids and, and going above and beyond, uh, to make them feel um, comfortable, to make them feel safe. Um, and so that was something that really stuck with me and something that I've, I aspire to do now. Um, and since then, uh, I've looked into, obviously, he founded his own school in Atlanta, um, and it's, it's known as one of the most innovative schools in the country and, and around the world for their methods of student engagement, uh, creativity, and just going above and beyond what what would could be considered normal education, normal pedagogy, and really celebrating students and celebrating them as, as people um, as well as, as learners. So that's something that's really stuck with me, and, and I just love everything about their, their pedagogy and their methods. Methods and, and their staff as well. So, so what would a day in the life of a student at Ron Clark in uh, Atlanta look like? Uh, very colourful. Um, yeah. Essentially, they uh, their versions of brain breaks are dance parties, and um, <laughs> and they have a they've just opened a new facility with a, a massive um, mural of a dragon on uh, on the roof. Um, so wow. they're, they're very very bright, colourful. Uh, even just so their learning spaces are, are designed to engage right from the outset. Um, students are really uh, up and moving. Even during a maths lesson, they might actually get up and, and try and associate a, a concept with physical movement or, or things like that. So it's really this high level of engagement right from the get-go and, and the students buy into that uh, as well and, and do it really, really well. If Ron Clark wanted to move to Australia, <laughs> is Australia ready for Ron Clark? I I I would say I would say so. I think he would bring a huge amount of energy, and he'd he'd be a real eye opener because his energy is off the charts. Um, so even running PDs um, that I've done with him um, over over Zoom, uh, he his just energy is infectious, and he he really gets you to to buy into what he's he's saying, um, and and the passion that he's got for for pedagogy and for student engagement and and relationships, which is is something that he obviously started with early in his career, and he's still got. Um, today so now you talk about zoom yes now you jagged 
the awesome opportunity to go over to America to go visit the Ron Clark Academy on your long service leave. And unfortunately, a world pandemic yes. uh, cut that short. Um, what was that trip going to be, first of all? And then I suppose, what was your experience of not being able to go over there? Yeah, so obviously it was a bit disappointing. Um, we we're about five weeks away from um, from heading over there. Uh, so it was actually going to be the two-day um, Ron Clark experience um, where it was going to be workshops with their staff. It was going to be PD sessions. It was going to be spending time uh, exploring their pedagogies, their methods, and, and really being able to bring, bring it back to to Australia. Um, so yeah, really disappointing. It's something obviously that's still on my bucket list um, to, to get over there. And um, But they, they were really innovative. They didn't skip a beat. Um, so they actually created an online uh, virtual community of teachers called Club RCA, uh, which has been going for 12 months now. Uh, they run weekly Zoom sessions um, every week for teachers around the world. There's 200 200 to 300 teachers in, in a Zoom call wow. at one time, and that's, that's still running weekly. Um, there's Facebook groups with uh, all resources, videos, updates. Uh, they run free uh, Facebook PD. So they really are, are still giving teachers around the world the opportunity to engage with their methods. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been doing that and keeping up to date with all of that and, and really made some great connections of teachers around the world um, as well. I, I Zoomed with a, a year four class in Alabama um, wow. to because uh, I, I wrote a children's story and, and they want to be the, want to be, wanted to be the first to test run it and actually um, read it and give feedback and and I got to engage with with what these, did they these, say what was that experience like oh it was amazing it was it was really really cool um, so a- Avery Leesky, um if she's listening to this podcast she's a, a fourth grade teacher in um, in Alabama and she is part of Club RCA and gave me the opportunity to actually zoom with her kids and and say what I I don't know about storytelling and um, <laughs> And things like that, yeah. and they were they were so good. They were just um, so engaged with her and telling me what they loved about the story and the characters and, and where it went. And it was a really enriching experience for me as well. So, it's yeah, I've, I've just loved the opportunity to have something that's come out of something quite disappointing that's been uh, really great for my my development and um, and passion. So. Now I have to ask: we're talking here about something in America, so this is American time. Mm. What time is that in West Australia? <laughs> so the uh, the Zoom meetings are about are at about six a.m. Uh, yep. my time. So I get up on a Wednesday morning sometimes at, at um, Sparrows and and listen into the Zoom calls and and but the, the early mornings are a part of a uh, arts teachers. Yeah, hour, yeah, hours. absolutely. It's part of the gig. So um, no, that's been that's been great. It's a good good way to start the morning and and some of the Zooms I've done with the with the classes have been at night time. So you're trying to get them in the morning. Uh, so sort of ten eleven o'clock at night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> doing those Zoom calls. But um, look, it's it's just something which is such a great experience and, and a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to have to have a connection with, with students on the other side of the world is, is amazing. So, Yeah, so let, let's talk then. What have you learned pedagogically based on your experience before you did this and then, you know, now all of these Zoom calls and these opportunities where you've been able to connect with people, putting this into the context of teaching the arts, what have you learned? Yeah, look, I think it cemented my my idea that relationships is number one. Um, building relationships with students in the arts is is number one. Uh, before you can actually get any, anything creative out of them, they need to be able to buy into um, what you're saying. Um, the trust needs to go both yep. ways um, and that sense of respect. So right from the outset, before you go into any of the content, I find uh, the the best teaching and the best pedagogy actually comes when when you have that, that, that two-way street, that sense of trust and, 
and the, and the kids really responding to you and and giving them a sense of of ownership and celebrating their achievements. Um, so that's what what Ron Clark is all is big about, and and that's what I want to to instill is is giving kids the opportunity to have a voice to actually. Uh, create an open-ended task where they could take it anyway. Um, so almost creating a skeleton and, and then they could take it in whatever direction they want and, and still uh, cover the, the curriculum and cover the, um, the assessment criteria, but really own what they produce. And, and that's really what I've taken away is, is celebration, ownership and, and um, that sense of student um, achievement. So if I was to walk into a drama class, um, what would I want to see pedagogically based on your experience? Control chaos, I think, is the <laughs> way I, I, um, I explain a lot of drama classes. But um, creating theory concepts uh, in the arts can be challenging sometimes. Uh, a lot of kids kind of when they hear the word theory, um, they have mm. this negative association with it. I want to try and buck that trend a little bit um, and create theory in a practical way. So actually, go, you'd, you'd see a lot of um, student engagement from a, a practical perspective, uh, actually creating physical movement, uh, collaboration, uh, communication. So you bring in those six C's um, into the arts area and then connecting it to the theory concept and actually getting them to articulate, um, all right, so this is what you've just done. This is how it associates to a, a theatre practitioner or an element of music or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, really getting them to engage in theory in a practical way. Uh, so my lessons are, are very much um, hands-on, up and moving. Uh, you wouldn't see uh, my, my classroom doesn't have desks in, in drama. Um, you get kids using different spaces in different ways um, and uh, experimented with zoning um, space yeah, as well. Yeah, I've seen some great things. T maybe tell the audience a little bit about how you set up your zones. Yeah, so essentially we try and we, we're looking at um, learning intentions um, and obviously we want a learning intention for a lesson, but creating a, actually a learning intention for a space uh, is one thing that I've really mm. played around with. Um, so students actually know why they're in that space um, and, and if they are in it, you, you question them about what is it they want to achieve by the time they leave that space. So for example, in our, our drama area, we've got a performance zone, which is basically their end goal um, where they need to end up and, and communicate and articulate everything they've learned. Uh, they have a collaboration zone, uh, which is where they actually put their heads together and really try and um, think about what their process is and what their what skills and skills they're bringing into it. Um, there is a, re re a rehearsal warm-up zone, um, so they know when they're in that space, they need to be actually using the skills and developing them and building them and, and using safe practice and, and things like that. So, so really, actually, rather than students just using a space because they want to be in a different part of the room, you're actually challenging them to be, why are you moving to this space? What do you want to achieve from it? So. I've never seen a disengaged student in any of your classes, and it's, it's why you're such a great practitioner, Chris. How do you get students feeling so safe to be engaged in a drama class? Because to me, right, I, I, I'm not an actor. I like public speaking, um, <laughs> but I'm not an actor. The idea of putting myself into a character, I'd be way too self-conscious of and trialing and thinking I'm going to fail. How do you create that culture in a class? Yeah, so it goes back to what I was saying before, that that sense of building relationships from the start. And I try and actually, um, I have a, a saying that I say to pretty much all of my classes from um, the little ones right through to year 12 is if you feel silly doing it, you're doing it right. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of my little mantra in drama. Um, so I actually want them to encourage them to, to 
let loose a little bit, make mistakes. Um, but if there's any sort of sense of students um, actually making um, making fun of uh, of each other for for letting loose, get them to close their eyes and yep. actually say like, if, imagine you're doing it in your bathroom in front of your mirror and and just create doing those little things right from the outset. Um, so from like the year seven eight level, creating really highly physical things and getting them to actually let loose and, and feel safe and comfortable. Um, and, and having that ability to experiment and, and play a little bit, um, I think is really important. And then as they move up through the, through the senior years, uh, if you, if you build that relationship, you've got them. Um, and I, I find, uh, as soon as you've done that and you get that, that buy-in and that trust, then the, the, the space is really, really safe and really engaging for them. Um, and especially when it gets to senior school, I absolutely love when, when students have that, you can have that, that real mm. adult conversation with them and, and that trust. And it's just a buzz. It's a real buzz when you, when you walk into those rooms and they're, and they're engaging like that. So. so what about the balance of challenging to get high expectations? And we want this to be the best we've ever done. And the, it's safe to fail and make mistakes. How do you build that culture? I think actually having the the chance to to fail it, it sounds it sounds weird um, yeah. from from people sort of coming in like even even new to teaching and things like that um, you've got to allow kids to fail first and that's how you obviously make uh, you you learn through those mistakes and it's like like in any subject you you learn by making mistakes and and I think having those like there's been those uh, rehearsal sessions and um, assessment periods where you've got kids who they just say, I, I just didn't do that well at all. Um, this, this didn't work, that didn't work. And then you actually, if they're feeling disheartened, you actually sit them down and actually reflect because obviously um, the arts area, when you look at the assessment um, outlines is, is making and responding. And that responding is, is huge, is actually getting them to identify, all right, well, this is where I went wrong and, and actually really creating that sense of, of constructive criticism uh, negative, negative is not a word in my vocabulary. So I never say it's ne- it's negative feedback. It's always constructive. It's always putting it back on them to say, this is what can be done better. This is what can be improved. Uh, but always starting with the positive and ending with the positive. So creating yeah. that, that sandwich that we talk about. So the, the positive, constructive and positive again. So just getting them to respond, getting them to reflect uh, and then wiping the slate clean and coming in with a, with a new approach and, and um, bringing in those, those, respect, um, those reflections. What about building creativity in the arts? Because one of the challenges pedagogically, I'm sure, with the arts is so much of listening to music or doing an artwork or doing a dance or doing drama is a, here's a pre-prepared script, here's a pre-prepared song thing, Hmm. chord sheet, right? (laughs) Um, Or here's an artwork that you need to copy and students can get into the habit of, I just do what I'm told. How do we then create that idea of creativity in the arts where students can go, I'm going to make up my own or I'm going to make this my own and not be a replica of what already exists? Yeah, so I think using um, using stimulus as uh, exactly that, as a stimuli or, or a prompt. Um, so, for example, or, or drawing a practical experience, um, Year 10 drama recently we did a um, – Improvisation, which is something which um, scares a lot of students, that idea of kind of going, of acting without a safety net. Um, so we built the conventions of improvisation, so that the idea of accepting, uh, of offering, of accepting and extending. So that's that creating that structure, um, and then 
rather than saying uh, this is black and white, this is your situation, this is your action, etc. I gave them a, an image um, and that was their stimulus. So rather than actually recreating what mm. they saw in the image, they just had to pull out one aspect and then use that as a, as a launching pad and, and create their own. So I think it's more so rather than like saying this is, a, this is something you're going to replicate or produce, it's actually giving them uh, a bit of a scaffold, a bit of a starting point and then seeing where they go with it. And, and that was the idea of actually creating those open-ended tasks of, of actually saying here's your, your skeleton, your structure, this is where you need to go, these are the boxes you need to tick um, how you get there is up to you. And then if they hit those, those hurdles, that's when you can kind of step in and give them some guidance and things like that. But it's, it's giving them that opportunity to create rather than just yeah. replicate, I suppose. Um, and that's what I'm all about is actually giving them the chance to, to have the confidence to do that. Now, as a leader of learning or what we call a learning leader here at Holy Cross, you've worked, you work with all of your teachers in your department. You've worked with lots of pre-service teachers as they come through. What do you think of these key pedagogical traits that you look for in an arts teacher? Um, passion is one. Um, and then obviously the ability to actually create a safe space um, and bring in those those practical areas. So obviously there are moments in, in every classroom where chalk and talk is something that, that has to be done um, and it's something that's very important at times um, to bring in those those theoretical knowledge but um, but really putting it back on the students to actually have a go um, and giving them the chance to actually uh, communicate with each other uh, I really like the focus uh, that we're um, sort of looking at this year at Holy Cross with the six C's um, and I look at what a lot of what our big ideas teams do um, with the six E's and things like that, and and bring them in and and see how how teachers can, can do that, so how they communicate, how they collaborate, um, and then obviously building up to how how students create as well. So yeah, creating safe space and and yet how they use the space as well, how they actually set up uh, their classrooms um, and to actually build that sense of collaboration. Because I think the arts is obviously very much a collaborative area and um, and really looking at how they can do that. Now, we've been very specific here in talking about the arts. Mm. What can a, a maths teacher or an English teacher learn from arts pedagogy that they could implement in their classroom? Yeah, look, I think um, obviously maths and English and um, even Haas and things like that are, are very content driven. Um, and I think if you can find ways to go beyond what's just uh, in, in front of you on a textbook, on an iPad, things like that, and actually see if you can create things that are, are practical. I know I know every teacher kind of gets um, a little bit scared by the term role play. Um, but I know <laughs> Particularly Mr. when you're at yeah. a PD day and they say, all right, we're going to do a role play <laughs> together. Yeah. Um, but I think even even if it's not role play, like get students to actually like, I, I heard of a great um, idea uh, last year and we actually built on it and did it as a performance last year. So the students in big ideas, I think it was year nine or year eight, um, they got the chance to actually um, create, I, I can't remember what the big question was, but one of the groups who were drama students actually wrote a, a one act play as their, as their big ideas product. Um, so actually tapping into the students' creativity and if, mm. if you do have, and, and bringing in those practical areas areas and, and practical things. So if if you have a maths concept, um, actually go out to the pavement, draw it on the on the on the um, 
on the paving and actually get them to step out angles and things like that. So actually bringing physicality into a maths concept or into an English concept uh, and, and bringing in, finding a way to make it practical and make it, and, and bringing in those things for kinesthetic learners, I think is, is a big thing uh, and can be applied to any subject area, no matter, no matter what it is. And, and the kids love that sense of movement and, and even changing their space. So using uh, outdoor areas or, or breakout spaces or things like that, it just kind of, um, clicks them into a different gear, I find, yeah. You can see how rich your pedagogical understanding is in just the way in which you talk. One of the things that you're an expert at here at Holocross is starters. Uh, yeah. What's a good, what is a starter and what's a good starter look like? Oh, look, a starter just um, just gets, uh, it sets the, sets your class off in the right way with, with the right tone. Um, uh, so for uh, in a drama class, we obviously use warm ups. So whether it's verbal or nonverbal or energy or focus or any of those kind of, depending on what your focus area for that lesson is. Um, but obviously it can be quick fire recaps. So something like hot seating, it's actually a drama game, but can be used in, in any subject to actually do a, a quick fire recap of, um, essentially the topic that you're doing. So you have one chair in, in, in the center and, and students move through within about five seconds and you, and you fire um, quick fire questions at them. So it's, it's getting their brain into mm-hmm. gear. So no matter what the lesson is, no matter what the focus is, it's about bringing that energy um, right from the outset and creating a, a positive tone. That's great. Now, look, as we, I suppose, start to wrap up a little bit here, mm. top tips, pedagogical tips from your experience that you would give out to teachers, whether they teach in the arts or across the board in anything based on your experience, particularly through the Ron Clark experience. Um, number one, demonstrate your passion. Um, always be be look, looking at and, and communicating what it is you're doing and, and never actually show a sense of... Um, we just have to get through the content. We're just ticking boxes here. Always actually try and communicate passion. Um, bring in collaboration as much as possible. Um, some t- the, be- the best ideas come from other voices sometimes and, and that idea of smashing ideas together mm-hmm. um, and really giving the students a, ch- a chance to create, um, whether it's maths, whether it's English, um, even even though the answer might be black and white, there's always room for creativity and there's always, always room for thinking about things out of the box in, in, in a different way. So Awesome. Now, it would be remiss of me not to ask you as we finish today mm. about our school production. Yes. Uh, yep. A great opportunity to plug Oliver Twist. Yeah. Um, it's a combined junior school, middle school, senior school production. It is, yeah. Uh, it's... Been a, been a process. Obviously, we, we got the rights for this one in 2019. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously last year, um, things went a little bit skew with. So, uh, yeah, we, we did a virtual production last yeah, year. Yeah, tell me a bit was, more about that which before was amazing. Oliver Twist. Uh, well, yeah, it was... Because um, you won an award for that last we, year. We did. We were very lucky. Um, so, the monologue show uh, last year was basically a way of uh, the students were desperate to still create. Um, they, were, they were really disappointed that the production got uh, got put on hold. So, uh, I've worked with the play over in, uh, playwright over in Texas, Donzelitis. Uh, I've worked with his um, plays quite a lot um, and he rewrote a lot of his catalogue for virtual performance um, so we tapped into one called The Monologue Show which is basically 32 um, separate um, monologues which could be filmed from home and then pieced together so we yep. scaffolded that we did um, all sorts of virtual um 
little scaffolds for them, created a seesaw community, which uh, we engaged the students through uh, and created something really, really special and something that we're really proud of. So, yeah. There are four domains <laughs> in Catholic Head that they give out awards for and, and Holy Cross actually won two out of the four awards mm. um, across the state and one of them was the monologue show. So, well done on, on no, your great thank work you, with yeah, that. And then that gets us back to Oliver Twist. Yeah, so um, we're, we're back on with Oliver Twist this year. We've already sold out, so we're, we're currently looking into uh, adding some extra shows to try and um, boost our audiences. But it just shows that how how passionate the community is to see students create and perform. And and we've got a cast of fifty seven uh, junior, middle, and senior school students, and all of them are absolutely fantastic. It's such a privilege to work with such passionate students. And um, yeah, I really hope that that that's part of um, that's come down to kind of what we do in, in the classroom and, and in the enrichment space as well. So yeah, that's coming up in week nine and, and should be a lot of fun. Awesome. And community shows at the moment? Yeah, we've got um, got one up at, at Marlowe Theatre at the moment. So myself and a few other Holy Cross staff members are involved in that one. And it's another Don Zalida script, An Unspeakable Triumph of Supreme Brilliance. So that's going on at the moment. And um, yeah, a few other little projects in the pipeline as well. Sensational, Chris. You're a very talented man. If anyone wants to uh, connect with you via Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, so it's at McRae Chris on Twitter. M C R A E is yeah, how you spell it because that gets misspelled <laughs> a few times. But yeah, no, I'd, yeah, I'd love to um, have people follow me on there and I try and share the passion that I've got with, with all things arts and pedagogy through that platform as well. So. Excellent. So it's been fascinating talking to you today, Chris, and I know you're very active on Twitter and people can follow all the great work that you're doing there. And if they've got any questions, they can reach out to you and um, really encourage everyone that listens to this to to really embrace what Chris is talking about there, about that getting active and showing that passion and showing the students um, what engagement looks like through our personal passion as teachers. So you do a, a sensational job and um, I love, to, love working with you and everything that you do, Chris. So Thank thanks you, for your time today. No pleasure. Thank you. If you know of any awesome educators that we should have on this podcast, please reach out. Thanks for listening to the Talking About Pedagogy podcast from Holy Cross College. Be sure to find us at holycross.wa.edu.au and follow us on Twitter. Goodbye, God bless, and thank you for being my friends.